Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network, a station dedicated to the concept that all manifestations of the divine are equally valid. Join Reverend Terry Power HP, Robin McKean, and all the hosts for programming covering a wide range of spiritual topics right here on Blog Talk Radio. to these and other timeless questions and serve Mount Olympus by safeguarding the path of mystic ascension. Welcome to the Pride of Olympus. Greetings and welcome to Pride of Olympus. I'm your host, Hercules Invictus, and our first segment for tonight is an Age of Heroes segment, and I am very honored to be welcoming the Enchantress, uh, who will be a regular part of our podcast in the very near future. Greetings and welcome, Dr. Barbara Becker-Holstein. How are you? I'm great, and I'm really looking forward to talking with you and sharing with our audience all sorts of wonderful ideas and suggestions and maybe whatever even reminiscing because we have a long history yes we do and uh um i proudly tell people that the first time i tried to launch uh, the age of heroes in new york many a year ago um you were in that adventure as well and that we had the uh, cable television programs and uh, uh we had activity in brooklyn helping people to navigate the digital divide and uh, uh i look back on those days uh, with uh, fondness yes yes and uh, i think we discussed even then very very important concepts i have several um shows, I think one of them I put up on YouTube, where we discussed the seven gateways to happiness, or you could say to enchantment, and you got it immediately, you know, not everyone gets it, Um, but we were able to go through all seven gateways and um, really bring them to life, so maybe... um, I can just reminisce about a couple of them to get people oriented around that would their be awesome. personal enchantment. That would okay. be fantastic. So, yeah. Now, these gateways are not the total be-all and end-all of how people grow and reach their highest spiritual self and their, their life, life of meaning, but they really do cover a lot of the basic stuff we have to understand about ourselves and our world 
And the first one is having some self-love and recognition of yourself that um, really is meaningful and not destructive. And sometimes we can't really get to that without some good counseling or guidance or therapy because we've been battered. Maybe a parent that put us down or other things. But it's important to get to it because it's like, who do you come home to in the very end of things but yourself? And no one, you know, if you, you can copy a million people and they have wonderful traits, but no one else has exactly your fingerprints of life. So you might as well try to get in touch with yourself and, and love yourself with, with uh, affection and attention. And um, particularly for women, I think um, I think women and men kind of split a little bit in how they they uh, stay attached to themselves. I think men are often very good at doing it through sports and hobbies and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. While women women we re- need to be regarded in a positive light, and if somebody is critical, often we fall off our our wagon pretty fast. We get pretty depressed. Um, We seem to need verification uh, often from the outside, and that's okay as long as we have healthy people that recognize what's good about us, and and we do the same for them. That's Um, that's very profound and very true. Um, I found that not only women, but uh, some men as well, but mostly in women, um, there's a suspicion when getting a positive reinforcement, though. I, I've noticed that because I, I like empowering people and encouraging people. And sometimes people become very suspicious of that because uh, they're not accustomed to it. Right. And they think they have to, uh, you know, divvy up some sort of payment or whatever. Um, and that can tie back to being sexualized to some extent in our society to feel you have to flirt or, you know, whatever. There's so many things that compound it. Um, But I think it's very important to be sincere, even if others aren't as sincere and genuine as you are. Um, And I'm thinking this ties into the second gateway, which is understanding yourself in terms of your whole family and history. And of course, the whole DNA culture today, I didn't, yes. you know, that didn't <laughs> even exist when I did the first seven gateways. But, you know, now you really can reclaim your ethnicity and understand it through your biology. But understanding the history of your, you would not be alive. Let's be realistic. If tons and tons of people hadn't had the courage to, uh, maybe it wasn't courage, maybe it was passion of the moment, but still they they had to stay alive long enough that someone was born and then someone else was born. And, you know, the history of mankind, womankind, that people that may have died in childbirth but still They're in your line, so you're alive. I mean, it's so exciting.
exciting and interesting. And usually just to go back one or two generations is just like, oh, my God, you know, my great-grandparents came across the Atlantic Ocean um, in steerage, and the trip took 12 weeks, and she was five months pregnant, and, you know, on and on. And it's like, here I am worried if I get to the gym. You know, it's like... (laughs) I've got to put in perspective the the struggles and the energy that went into making yourself. And I think that's really, really empowers at the same time. Yes, it does. Uh, um, I have uh, been exploring my roots uh, on and off uh, throughout my life, and now I'm, I'm very comfortable with them. Uh, that wasn't always the case. But I found that once I uh, accepted uh, the truth that you've shared, um, it, 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 I was able to embrace all of it, the whole story, good and bad, whether it affected me positively mm-hmm. or negatively, it, it, it informed me, it helped mold me, it made me who I am. So uh, I'm part of that unfolding story that's been, uh, starts in the mists of uh, prehistory and will extend who knows how right. far into the future. Right, right. We just don't know how far back. And uh, I have found uh, at least two cousins that I've been in touch with through DNA, and um, they're both fascinating women. Uh, One of them is out west, and I'd I'd like to meet her. And she has a composite uh, in her DNA of more ethnicities than I do. Um, So uh, I think Someday I just have to get out there and and really meet her face to face. It's just been fun. Um, That kind of leads me into the third gateway because in order to even travel or do anything, we've got to have a little bit of money, a little bit of planning, a little bit of education usually. And I think the third gateway speaks mostly to how do I get to where I want to go? You know, what is the education I need? What is going to block me maybe? Uh, what does my health allow? What, what you know, my energies? Obviously, if a woman is home raising two, two babies three years apart, say an infant and a four-year-old, she may not want to go to four years of nursing school right then. Right. But it doesn't mean... She might want to get a 12-week degree in something that gets her out of the house and she's helping some elderly people. I mean, there's lots of in-between steps also that can help a person feel fulfilled and that they're on a mission. Um, but we really, there's no way, I mean, just like time, we can't stop time, right? We right. can't stop at least now dying we we've not found out a way to not die so there are blocks in our lives we only have like a clear sliver of of diamonds that are you know that that really are available to us and within the sliver that's available to each person we have to be savvy and try to get the education that we need for our goals and and make some, you know, be able to survive financially to get some health, uh, you know, have health care when we need it. And I just think it's, you know, whatever gift we can give 
to each other and the next generation and sometimes the elderly and the people, you know, can people of all ages need advice and help so that they can then feel they can make the progress they need. It's, it's never, it is too late to be, look, I'm not going to be an ice skating champion because I'm going to fall if I probably just walk on ice and skate. But that doesn't mean if I love ice skating, there's some part of it I can do, whether it's sponsoring a kid, you know, to take mm-hmm. ice skating lessons or just watching watching the Olympics, you know, on TV, the Ice Olympics, whatever. There's always a there's always a little sparkle, a little star out there waiting and saying, Come on, Barbara, come on, Hercules, you can do it, you can do it, you know. And um but we need help. We all need help. We Very really true. do. We can't do it alone. And um, I think I'm much more aware of that than even when we worked together in New York. I think being, I guess, about 18 years older than when we last met, maybe at least 15 years older. Amazing. What? Amazing, isn't it, how much time has passed? It seems like yesterday, but it was uh, about 20 years ago. (laughs) I know, and, you know, I'm sure you too, the wisdom and the awareness of the fragility of life and, you know, the managing of of just um, all the things that go with staying alive. Um, Yeah, so, um, but, but the most important gateway and this blends into the most important gateway because the most important gateway is to be able to replenish ourselves and have pleasure and joy in our lives. Yes. We cannot do anything I've been mentioning if we don't take time to replenish whatever that means. It could mean something as simplistic as a massage. That's great. But, you know, it, for other people, it's, something you might not even think of. It's, you know, reading a light novel and not being disturbed. You know, it's, it's, you can't put your finger on exactly what replenishment is, but you can say what it's not usually. It's not going to happen if people in your life constantly put you down or interrupt you. You know, you, you, yeah, you need space and you need to be respected reasonably. Nobody gets perfect respect, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, uh, but normal, some degree of respect with some compassion. And they may not be love, but it may just be generosity of spirit, you know, that gives each other room if you're, you, you can be four people that have never known each other, and because of finances, you're all sharing an apartment. You may you may never feel love for each other, but if one person you know really wants to watch a certain TV show, and another person likes to cook Indian food, and no one else really likes it, you know there may be still various accommodations and respect for each other that are happening, so that everyone gets some chance of feeling good. 
Very true. And uh, with age also comes the acceptance that some of the things that uh, replenish you might not replenish anybody else you know. <laughs> and it's okay you know, to like a particular genre yeah. of book or um, of a movie or, or so forth that, that uh, like for me, um, I love, in addition to mythology, I love heroic fantasy. And for mm-hmm. a very long time, I explored that through Thor the Barbarian and I immersed myself in it. And yes. um, a lot of uh, very great things arose from that, including our working together. Um, and I still like reading occasionally or watching a movie um, not as much as when mm-hmm. I was younger, but I still enjoyed that. And it doesn't matter to me that, uh, except for my wife, I'm very fortunate there. Nobody else mm-hmm. I know likes that type of movie or that type of book, but it's okay. <laughs> I like it. So that's all that's important. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. And I, uh, we were away and I was reading a series, a group of light mystery stories, mostly written, I think, for uh, women's taste. Uh, mm-hmm. And I was reading one mystery story. I got very caught up in it. I liked the character. I liked her handsome husband, you know, like I met him. Uh-huh. You know. um, I liked where they lived. I liked the way they lived. And I liked uh, her family. Her mother was a very interesting, psychic or psychically oriented person. And she had interesting brothers and sisters. Bottom line is she kind of had everything if i were could be born again and have picked a different family kind of thing and it's all fantasy she's a character that someone has enjoyed making up but i got such pleasure at times thinking about her world beyond even what the woman had written because like you're saying it, it caught something in me and um it was replenishing to me Another thing that uh, um, I've learned with age was that it's okay to let go of uh, a lot of things. You you touched upon this before. Um, There are many things I wanted to do in life that now that I'm in my 60s, um, I recognized, and it took a while to recognize it, uh, that I can't do these things anymore. You know, I have neuropathy, so my climbing uh, mountains and... uh, doing all the exploring I used to do in other countries when I was younger. That's uh, not something that I can safely do anymore. And uh, after I wrestled with it and saw that it's okay to let go of it, I felt free. I felt free of a heavy weight that had been uh, on my shoulder. So it turned out to be a good thing, uh, wrestling with that and facing that and accepting that. Yes. Yes, I think it's very helpful to accept what we have to let go as we age. And um, this, again, like I, one of the things that's really helped me is this whole notion um, that although we have a great deal of uh, freedom of thought and, and reasoning and, and purpose in life, um, that uh, we're not... Um, Nothing, you know, whatever you believe spiritually, I do believe there is uh, some freedom in our decision making and our in our growth, but it's not a, just a total open door. You know, it's it's a niche that no one else will get that exact same niche, and when you can be satisfied that it's a niche rather than just, you know 
maybe you could really be Queen of England if you just work hard enough. No, you can't. You know, <laughs> you can't. It's taken. It's taken. This is taken. That's taken. It, it is freeing. And um, I know for me, one of the interesting things as I've gotten older is I don't want as many possessions. It's not like, God forbid, I want my house robbed. No. But I, I want to be more, I'm more tied into the energy of companionship and friendship and thought and um, understanding life. And I don't need a lot of clutter. I don't want clutter. I don't know if you found that at all, but. Um, I'm, I'm not there yet. I love my books uh, too much. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm yeah, wrestling well, with that. I have no yeah, doubt that a Yes, but I have too many books, and so uh, I'm I'm actively uh-huh. working on that one still. Okay, that's fine. You know, I still have plenty of stuff, but I'm saying I see a I see a shifting. And um, anyway, let me just quickly say the last three gateways so people okay. uh, just have a sense. Um, what the next gateway is to um, Manage depression because depression is a very active quality in our culture, and most people do struggle with it at times, at least at some level. And although some people, of course, many people need medicine, and I'm not, you know, that's a whole separate thing, but um, many people have mild, very mild depressive moods that can really be helped if they can stay more active, if they can stay more involved, whether it's with a church or a charity or um, just with their own relatives and friends, a sport activity, a club, uh, making phone calls or um, at least emails to stay in touch with people. It's really um, a learning process involving a lot of habitual stuff. And yes. unfortunately, our culture doesn't always teach us or or help us that much with it. So we've got to bring that, you know, I mean, I see as part of my mission to help people wrap around some of the things they can do and get the energy to do it. Um, so that's, that's the fifth gateway. And then the sixth gateway is to be a mentor and to allow yourself to be mentored. And I really, um, I love this gateway because it can be as simple as uh, watching a tree on your lawn. I mean, you can get a sense of um, harmony and and just, um, a tree doesn't move in its entire life. It's just in one spot. But a healthy mm-hmm. tree is, fine it has new leaves every season and it's content and you know it's a little bit of a metaphor but you can you can be mentored even by objects and other living things and of course if you're not too proud you can be mentored by your cat by a Uh child you know by almost any living thing or person because everybody has something to share and it can make your life a lot of fun um, to allow yourself to be mentored 
and and um and of course to mentor and also because you have a lot of things to give. I mean, people like you and myself, we we specialize in sharing and teaching and you know, feeling a commitment and a safety in giving mentorship, even if it's just yeah. for ten minutes talking to someone. But a lot of people don't realize they have anything to offer. And it's important to encourage them because they do. Um, and it's just a waste, you know, not to share. Uh, and it's good. It's emotionally good for both sides. And yes, that's all I... Uh, yeah. I thank people when they teach me something I didn't know. And there's at least once or twice every day <laughs> where I learned something I, I had no notion of before. So I always make sure that I thank the person um, sometimes on the show, yeah. too, people say something that'll change my perspective on a lot of things. And uh, uh, so I'm eternally grateful for that mentoring, and I offer it freely in return. Yes, I know you do. You are, you are a wonderful teacher and a giver. I've always known Thank that. You. So from the first time I met you. Um, so I'm going to just say the last gateway is basically to give to others. Um, you know, to to feel um, whether it's through charity, whether it's through uh, helping people, um, whether however it's done or it's done more privately, just by the ways that you build up people, even if for a moment in time. But it's it's basically the giving of positive energy and health and. Of course, money doesn't hurt. You know, all the things that other human beings need is very important. Probably, you know, they always say the giver feels often better than the person even receiving. It's, it can lead to very good mental health to make yourself more of a giver. So it's, it's, a very, it's very important. All religions pretty much encourage it. I think the spiritual journeys of most uh, societies encourage it um, because it's it's a win-win for everybody. It, it most certainly is. And uh, these uh, seven gateways uh, uh, have held up over time. They're still as powerful uh, uh, today as when uh, I first heard them from you years ago. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. And, uh, I would like to encourage people to go to my major site, EnchantedSelf.com, because that's where you can find a lot of my material, including um, how to buy a couple of books that do touch upon the things we're talking about, particularly uh, my first book, The Enchanted Self, A Positive Therapy. And, um, you know, these are all things that have I put so much time and effort and research into and, but you can't stand still, you know, and, and at this point in my journey, um, I am looking toward doing different and new things. And, you know, um, I don't even know how much time we have left. We have a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, we have, so, we have uh, around 10 more yeah. minutes. Yeah. So um, 
I really am multi-layered as a psychologist and, and um, in a lot of my work shows that um, I, I miss the TV shows. I think they were wholesome and informative and I am determined to put more of them up on YouTube because I actually had my son and his girlfriend took the time to transfer some of them onto um, awesome. uh, a deep you know, DVD, whatever, or CD. I guess it's a CD. Yeah, so I'm going to try to do that. Um, Some of my projects in the last 10 years have highly focused around the voice of a 10- or 11-year-old girl. That's how it really all started. Yeah. You you knew me as it was just emerging. I... Became, I remember. I, I am, yeah, and I'm still obsessed that, at least for women, and I'm, I don't claim to have done much research with men, but for women, there's a period of time between about 9 and 11 when girls who have not been abused, I'm talking about relatively normal, not perfect, relatively normal households, girls feel very strong and powerful they know how to do a lot. They're bright in school. They may have hobbies. They may be learning to swim, to horseback ride, to um, play the clarinet. You know, there's just a lot going on. Um, they're busy. They have girl best friends rather than just playmates like when you're six years old. They have real best friends. They may have a first crush. Um, and this energy that is in their minds, bodies, and souls between these years, if we can recapture it and if we can keep it going in kids so they don't lose it, um, it's, it's the makings of people even beyond what we normally kind of expect of people because it's, it's endless energy and potential. Um, and there's some good things going on in today's world. There's a lot more women going into engineering. My own uh, niece, at, at 40-ish, is, uh, get, has, is on the dean's role and the uh, program. Yeah, it's wonderful. You know, here's a woman that has three little kids and, you know, the whole typical story. And now at 40, she's she's doing She's doing her thing, and and she's doing it brilliantly with scholarships and stuff. So it's happening. Um, I don't think she – I don't think the programs – I don't think she could have entered this as easily 20 years ago because not as many colleges were pushing to get girls into mathematics and, you know, engineering and stuff. Um, So I am very involved with this little girl, this imaginary girl – she became the um, author of my first two books in diary form. She wrote The Truth and she wrote Secrets. And um, The Truth is now called The Truth, Diary of a Gutsy Tween. And Secrets <laughs> is called uh, Diary of a Gutsy Teen. And it's filled with the angst of her falling in love. 
the problems in our family, the jealousies, the, the some bullying, not horrible bullying, but bullying, um, desire to have a more of a spiritual connection to God and religion and the minister really isn't coughing up what she needs, but it's, you know, a lot of her life is, is typical stuff. And she finally gets a dog and she has an interesting aunt who in many ways uh, is more open and can talk to her more than her own mother. There's lots of threads. And um, these two books have become quite popular Um and uh, I put questions at the end for discussion, and there probably are about 30 topics brought up, maybe even more, in the course of each book. So, you know, they're really a good read with a lot to discuss. Yes, and they are. I remember reading them when you first yes. wrote them. Yes. They're, they're excellent books. Right. And I put a, a link uh, to your Enchanted Self uh, site, and I'll also have a link to Amazon on tonight so that folks uh, oh, follow on Facebook and go uh, click and explore these. Uh, we're reaching the end of tonight's journey, but a new journey okay. begins. And how can people uh, contact you and, and find out more about all the wonderful yeah. things that you're doing? And I will have you on in uh, February also because uh, you shared very generously what you've done. And now we're getting into what you're currently doing. And it's very exciting. So uh, uh, we will schedule that uh, together. And uh, I'd like to share with you that uh, um, I have a radio show that will be starting on Fairleigh Dickinson University, their radio station, in the very near future. Oh, great. And in terms Wonderful. of TV, I've been dialoguing with a local cable station, and they're interested in three of my show ideas, one of which is uh, the types of things that we've just done. So I thought of you right great. away, and when that becomes more of a reality – uh, I will definitely invite you to be involved with that if you'd like. Okay, that's great. And I have an idea for you that I think will be wonderful, and it's a, a, a podcast series that I'm going to be starting where I interview people of vision, people who are visionary. Awesome. And I think you're a visionary, and I think we Thank you me. should be a guest. So we'll discuss that. Um, the, the best way to find me, the easiest way is enchantedself.com because I have a lot of things right on the front page that can direct you. Um, you're free to um, be in touch with me on my, uh, by email, barbara.holstein at gmail.com. And I have a podcast series that I'm, is ongoing uh, called the Enchanted Self uh, show, and I bring a lot of kids on and different people with their, particularly, I focused a lot on kids and their anxieties and what's on their minds, how they think things could be improved, giving kids a voice. And all of this is on the front page of EnchantedSelf.com. You know, you can push a button and follow different leads so I think that's the easiest way to tell it. I hope to hear from some people who listen to your show, and I hope to to be connected with you in various ways um, as we we continue.
Thank, thank you. you, Barbara, for everything. Uh, you've been a very positive presence in my life, and you continue to be one. I'm eternally grateful. Thank you. It's been mutual. Have a good night. You too. Bye. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a brief break. We're going to listen to Dave the Bard's Cauldron Born, which is about uh, transformation through the cauldron of life. Every thread and 
searching for patterns and looking for signs Your life a construction one day you will see the cauldron's brewing magic she will give to you. You will dance in the eye of the storm, your carrot when's children, the cauldron born. So we stand on this hill, our shadows are the powers of earth, sea and sky, dragon and fairy, in shades of the night, we call to our ancestors of blood and bone, of womb and tomb and standing stone, lady stir your cauldron well, chant your words and sing your spells, deep within Of the cauldron's brew and magic she will give to you. You will dance in the eye of the storm, your carrot wins children, the cauldron born. Oh, lady, stir your cauldron well, chant your words and sing your spell. Deep within this darkened hall, hear the goddess carrot when of the cauldron's brew and magic she will give to you. You will dance in the eye of the storm, your carrot wins children, the cauldron born. You're the cauldron Tonight is our Archons and Aeons episode, and our second segment is Nick Curdo Presents The Real World Revealed, and tonight his guest is Michael Winks, who's an awesome guest. He's been on before. Uh, welcome, Nick, and welcome, uh, Michael. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Hercules. Great to be here. Hi, Michael. I'm glad you're here. Hi. How you doing? Uh-uh, never oh, better. Never better. Looking forward. Awesome. The show is yours. 
Okay, very good. Uh, so the program again is a new, new uh, Nick Kirtle presents uh, the Real News Revealed, and uh, I'm the co-founder and the director of the Disclosure Network New York. Uh, DNNY is a grassroots organization now celebrating our 18th year of providing two meetings a month throughout the year in Manhattan's West Village. We focus on cutting-edge UFO ET issues, paranormal phenomenon, as well as many important related subjects from a wide range of sources as we go very, very deep into these exciting and sometimes misunderstood subjects that the mainstream press will not touch. Our, our members are doing intense investigative research, and believe me, they are the best into these various topics and share that information with the group at our meetings. Uh, we have two meetings a month, or uh, for our Internet followers, and we have quite a number of them, and that's growing daily. Now, the motto that we have started from day one is, quote, connecting the dots to seek truth, unquote. And we have available to everyone worldwide the DNN News Blast uh, email service, and that's focusing on the cutting-edge topics of special interest. And that is a totally free service. It's open to everyone. Just go to our website, which is www.dnny.info. Uh, and that, I'm going to repeat that, dnny.info. Uh, and just type in your email address where it's asked for, and then you'll be connected with us in a matter of hours. We have hundreds of people who have already signed on for this service, and it's quite exciting. Uh, and uh, I hope that you can take part in that. Now, here we go. Uh, my featured guest for this podcast tonight is my very good friend and colleague, uh, Michael Winks. And, Michael, a pleasure to have you here. Nice to be here again, Nick. Thanks. We're going to talk about 5G, I hear. Well, yeah, and among other things, but we're going to start off, Michael, with that because I think that you're going to agree here that 5G and smart meters need to be really discussed and, and researched, and we have a lot of information about that for our listeners. Um, give me your take on 5G, if you will. Well, I'll start, actually, because you also mentioned smart meters, which were the predecessors to the 5G technology in many ways. Uh, smart meters being put in your homes, being put in your uh, apartment buildings, being put everywhere, uh, giving off high levels of radiation uh, and uh, affecting people in their homes. And uh, I can tell you s simply that last year, uh, a gentleman by the name of Les Ferreira, who you know very well, uh, mm -hmm. came over came over to our condo and showed off how bad our smart meter that had been installed was for a couple Ouch. of the uh, uh, condo board members to see. Uh, he, we show he, had, he had little meters to read just how much was coming out of these things. And so it was kind of an eye-opener if you'd never really, you, you knew it was bad, but you didn't know exactly how bad it was. And so uh, we are all getting, uh, all those who have had, in this case, the, the smart meter was kind of slipped in by the uh, 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 company, uh, whether it was the Con Ed or whatever. They just sort of came in one day, did it, and left, even though we hadn't really given them permission yet. So that was something. Oh, we what were, a surprise, right? What a surprise. That, <laughs> that, that, that was going on at the time. Uh, I, I wasn't very long in the building. I, I left shortly afterwards, but my son was, was following this matter. I never really, I don't think 
too much was done, frankly, because once something is done like that, it's very hard to get it reversed. And anyway, that's 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 yep. my that's my little explosion on the smart meters. But I want to talk more more about the five G because it has become so uh, such a uh, a prominent uh, issue, and we've been you know there been there was the recent uh, the worldwide uh, stop five G uh, demonstration last weekend. And, right, uh, it was last Saturday, and it was worldwide, Saturday. and it was quite worldwide. amazing. We had a big group here, too, doing that. Yeah, and uh, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Cause, uh, it's, it's kind of – this is one of those things where you look at the situation with 5G, you look at what everybody is saying, you're seeing the birds dropping from the sky, you're seeing how bees are affected, you're seeing how living creatures are affected, not just men and women, uh, but – you know, animals, creatures are, are affected by this, and you're saying, why are we doing this, and what is the big rush, and why are we so? Is it really all about internet service? Could that really be the only thing we're, we're talking about here? And so it's best to sort of get out of the 3D mode of thinking and go to a 5D mode of thinking. <laughs> which is not that no. easy. <laughs> but when I see a 5D mode of thinking, I go, well, okay, uh, I have to have some kind of rational explanation for this. I mean, let's, let's, let's go back into my, my life a little bit, uh, Nick. I, I'll just tell you that the reason uh, I got interested in uh, extraterrestrials and uh, mm-hmm. uh Interstate, interplanetary, and interdimensional beings, and, and so forth, mm-hmm. was because yep. of uh, the work uh, in the very concrete financial number crunching of Catherine Austin Fitz. In oh yes, she kind of laid out a whole bunch of money that was being spent, and nobody knew where the heck it was going. And I said, "Well, where is it going?" And she kind of suggested secret space program. I went, what? That's <laughs> kind of where it started. <laughs> That's when yeah. I started to, inter- started to re- research myself. I'm going, well, now, wait a minute here. And I started watching the programs of Gaia. I started digging and digging and looking at books and so forth. And I'm going, well, you know what? There may be something to this. So that's kind of the, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, the, the 5D approach to uh, stolen money, <laughs> so to speak. Wow. But uh, so now here we go with 5G, and I'm saying, well, what is the 5D approach? And I just, uh, it's just been so coincident, well, coincidental. Who believes in coincidences? <laughs> it, it just so happened that my friend posted a video by a gentleman I'm not terribly crazy about, named Cliff High, talking about 5G. And oh yes, I, I saw that, Michael. You forwarded that to me. Thank you so much. T- tell the listeners what that was about, if you will. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm going to just give a little summary. It was interesting because it's a, uh, the gentleman who sent it to me says something to the effect of um, he's always been sort of 5G neutral. And you know, he's, he's very aware, he's very awake and conscious, but he just says, look, we're electrical beings. Uh, and the, the, the magic word, I think, here is DNA. <laughs> I think uh, all of us have had DNA upgrades of some kind, which is why there are a lot of us have, and which is why some of us will not be terribly affected, and others will not, will. And that's sort of the 5D looking at it there. I just think that uh, some of us are going to absorb this better than others, the same way that uh, 
uh, some of us get sick and others of us don't. Uh, I don't know, but well, let's let's go to the let's go to the videotape. Let's go, <laughs> as uh, sports casters would say, um, mm-hmm. let's go to what uh, Mr. High talked about. Mr. High said, "Well, you know, um, the issues of abductions in and aliens has been around all over the world. You know, even people have been vanishing and disappearing at you know amazing levels." And there's also been a whole lot of people who were uh, hybridized, who have been popped onto the world. And uh, so we don't really know. We, there's, I, I think I read somewhere somebody thinks there's like maybe 2% of the population of the world is hybrid, meaning not from this world partly and from this world partly. And that's a fairly large chunk of people. Uh, or sure <laughs> as the case may be. At any rate, so let's go on from there. He says, so, so given this, um, it seems that 5G and all the excitement to bring it to bear has to do with examining through its you know, radiation technology effects who is and who is not a hybrid. Now, wow. food for thought. <laughs> and so well, that went totally is saying, well, I, you know, we, we sort of had this I, whole system we had this beta tested. And I said, well, how's that? He said, well, um, remember what we've seen 5G technology in? And I'm like, uh, no, I don't. Where? Well, the TSA uh, search machines at the airports. If you went through that, you were getting a dose of radiation equivalent to 5G. Wow. And he said, oh, well, so there you go. This gave them a chance to kind of look and say, hmm, are these people, we can figure out, it was a way they could keep track of it. And they, they, they probably all the pictures taken were sent somewhere, and they go, aha, so these people are this and these people are that. Oh, that's very interesting. So it was a warm-up of things to come. And now they want to do it with 5G to the whole world. That's right. <laughs> and that's like, wow. <laughs> so essentially we are all being... Uh, um, you know, uh, the same way they talk about nano, nanobots and vaccines, we are all being uh, 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 surveyed and, 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 and inspected, detected, rejected, inspected, as the old Arlo Guthrie song. Uh, <laughs> and we are not going to be, we are not going to find out anything about it, I guess, unless uh, the higher-ups uh, see fit in some way to do so. So that is that is the what I call the 5D look at 5G. And, uh, wow, you know, I love that term. <laughs> we you talk, know, Michael, I want to talk, step back a second because what you're saying please. here is really incredibly troubling uh, because yes. and this is the first time, and I've been looking at this uh, whole thing about 5G and smart meters for a very long time, and this is a whole new concept of why the rush why, why the rush? And it wasn't the the, uh, the population that wanted it. It was we. It was being rammed down and is being rammed down all of our throats. Um, I went to a movie theater. There's a commercial about how wonderful 5G is. I, I, I opened my mailbox. There was the commercials in Verizon saying And I had a I, Michael. Michael, just, let me just finish. I opened my mailbox the other day, and I had an announcement that said, "You're going to have smart meters within two months." As if it was a good piece of news. Now, yep. in my apartment, and I, I'm on a very high, uh, a high building here in Manhattan, um, and I'm on a high floor, and outside my front door, there's 21 meters. 
right outside right. my front door uh, mm-hmm. for the, for, I guess it's for the floor. Now, that means there's 21 meters, and if they're going to make them all smart meters, what am I going to do, cook? I mean, mm-hmm. I mean this, this is really very, very uh, concerning to, to me and to the people that are finding out what this news is about. And um, I was talking to a physicist. Um, she came from California two months ago and visited New York, and she came here to do a lecture on a 5G and smart meters, and she said, when there's a smart meter, you have to be at least 30 feet to 40 feet away not to feel yes. any of the effects. Yes. Now, that, that's pretty – I mean, think of that, Michael. I mean, that is really pretty astounding. Uh, that's yes, how like powerful they are. So I just want don't, to stand, don't, don't stand in front of a microwave either. You know, you stand away. You know, don't, if you're putting on a microwave, you're, you're getting the same effect. We, did, we turned on the machine when we were testing a smart meters on the microwave. We found out how far the effects went. How, how far did they go, Mike? Oh, uh, easily 15 feet. Wow. Easily. 15 yeah, feet. Easily. That's, that's huge. Yeah, I mean, for a microwave, for God's sake. <laughs> so you can only imagine and, and for the, the smart meters, you can only imagine be, for uh, these bigger things. Microwaves so, are supposed to be guarded with uh, with insulation in, in, of, of keeping the microwaves in the microwave oven. And you're right. saying that they still out, and that's, wow. wow. I mean, that, that alone is yes. bad news. Right. Um, so, yeah. yes, and then we also have the announcement that SpaceX is sending all these satellites. They have permits for 12,000 satellites in the sky. And they want there to be 42,000. I read 42,000 is what they're asking for, right? Yep. Can you imagine 50,000 satellites all over the world? But that's just it. What is the 5D story here? I keep thinking, all those satellites, is this some kind of war game? You know, with the the aliens up there, you know, like they, they we, we want to distract them with all this stuff, and like, you know, oh, go go ahead, you know, to take a shot at them and so forth. You just wonder about this stuff, the stuff that we're not being told. Everything is we're not being, being told, told almost anything. And I, I think anything, that's, that's what we run into all the time. We haven't been told. We haven't been told uh, just about anything relevant for so long. We're so totally in the dark, and and people. People who realize that uh, are just scratching their heads and uh, getting really angry at the fact that uh, our knowledge of what is going on is just about zero compared yep. to what's really going on. Well, yeah. I mean, there's a nice, a nice little video Max Eigen made about a month ago called Everything You've Been Told is a Lie. And I'm sure everybody can kind of, kind of identify with that because everything we're finding out is like, well, that's not true. Well, that's not true either. Well, that's turning out not to be true either and so forth. Now, the more you dig, the more you find, you find yourself yeah. falling through the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, and the, rab- the rabbit is hiding right now. Yes, yes, uh, hiding from the the the, the radi- radiation rays. Exactly, the rabbit's the rabbit's smart. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh boy, uh, uh, yeah. You know, another thing too, just to just to put one more uh, uh, item on on the table is that you know when I go to my laptop computer, I'm seeing all the other people who have Wi-Fi, because mm-hmm. you can see on the screen. You know, and various levels of, of how it's reaching you. Now, mm-hmm. I don't have Wi-Fi. I took it off a couple of years ago, and I have my right. modem wired to my laptop, yes. so I don't have Wi-Fi. But most of my neighbors do, and that yes. also means that all those ways are coming in all the walls. Yes, of course. 
Well, you think right? about the cities, the big cities, of course. You know, it's like I, I, when I was there, I mean, I, I, I'm outside a big city now, and so I don't see it quite as much, but I'm in a complex, and it's affected by, uh, uh, you know, a housing complex of you know, units all over the place. And you, you still have your share of uh, uh, Wi-Fi receptors. Um, but, yeah, I can imagine, you know, we lived in the, the condo building in Brooklyn I was in. It's like, you know, well, add up, add up 15 condos, you got probably two or three receptors in each one, so that adds up to about 30 to 40 uh, uh, Wi-Fi connections in, in the whole building. That doesn't even account for the guy next door or the people next door and the people on the other side of you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite, quite a stew. It's quite a stew, and so the the, the argument could be, well, we're, we're 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 holding up all right to that for the most part. I mean, I suppose I suppose we are. I don't know, are we? <laughs> we we don't know really. Are people getting sick because of it? I mean, I, I really don't want to go into the coronavirus and the issue of uh, Wuhan having 5G, but I mean, you, you sort of scratch your head and go, how's that connected? So you don't know. That's the point. Nobody can really tell you exactly for sure. And they say possible, yeah. And people who are experts say, sure, it's possible. You know, you know I think uh, Robert David Steele said, well, I was kind of cynical about the idea of you know, the, the Wuhan 5G business. And I've talked to three experts. They all said, oh, no, you're wrong, Robert. And I said, well, okay. <laughs> if you say so, you're the experts. I'm not. <laughs> so, yeah, there might yeah. be something to that there, too, as well. You know, uh, Beverly, again, the physicist who came to a wonderful, wonderful uh, researcher, and she's been doing this research for at least 10 years, and she also said that some of the effects of this can be very itchy skin. Also, if you're hearing sounds and you may have tinnitus, but you also may be suffering from the effects of uh, what's going on with, with the radiation already present. So those are just some sure. of the mild effects of this of yeah. this radiation, and, and right. no radiation is good news for sure. Right. And you mentioned the animals and the bees and the birds and the well, that's true. I mean, they're all suffering too. And here we are, uh, hope, hopefully not, but it looks like there's a there's a huge, huge multi-trillion-dollar uh, effort to make sure that before anybody looks up, everything is being installed. The yes. smart meter and the 5G, and and nobody's and what happened to the health department? Aren't they supposed to be protecting us? Where were they? I haven't heard one single word about 5G or smart meters from the New York Health Department. Shame on them! What's going and on? Think, and think about what you just said—the multi-trillion dollars. Wait a minute! If you're talking that kind of money, you know, it's, it's, it's the old joke of. Uh, 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 30 years ago, so uh, when you get into the billion dollars, now you're talking real money. And nowadays, it's a trillion dollars and you're taking <laughs> money, real money. And it's like, <laughs> if you're, there are people out there spending the trillions on this stuff. This is secret space program money. This is that kind of I think so. this, this is huge. This is like, okay, there is something going on here. There's something going on where the uh, the, the people who are uh, several cosmic levels ahead of uh, 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 higher than President Trump are out there saying we got to do this or bust, and uh, mm-hmm. the people below are just saying okay, and then uh, everybody else is going okay, and they're just going ahead because nobody's really stopping. I mean, that senator from Connecticut uh, was in the hearing and saying, well, isn't there some sort of problem with 5G or some sort of health concern? So yeah, kind of came and went, and that was that. Um, yeah. Uh, it's like the idea that it's just we're going willy-nilly full blast. And I know there's some issue with 
you know, China competing with the United States on this, and they say, well, China's won't be as safe as ours because China's rushing and they're way behind. The United States is way ahead, and you know, we'll do it better, and blah 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 blah. It's like, yeah, well, I mean, it's a, it still it still sounds like uh, uh, some sort of Ponzi scheme or money where everything's going to all collapse uh, after we spend all, all this. And it's like, well, it turns out we really didn't need it. Ha ha. It's like. No, what's going on here? It, it, just, money. it just begs the question of what's going on here all the time because there is always something underneath or something that we're not getting, that we're not being told. Well, that's true. You know, we had a meeting here in the Upper East Side, uh, uh, City Council, New York City Council member Ben Kalos, and uh, he was there uh, in this meeting of the community. And they said, if there are any questions, and I raised my hand and they called upon me. And I said, yes, I do. I've been trying to get information, and it's been impossible, and I wonder if your office could help me, the District 5. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, I'd like to get information that the city has on 5G, on smart meters. I'd like to get more information on the chemtrails that are in the skies almost every single day. And there was this pause, like you could have heard a pin drop. Yep. And then they said, well, um, we'll get back to you. Give us your information, and we'll see what the city has. Well, it's been two weeks. Right. I'm going to call them tomorrow, but, I mean, what is going on? This is serious, serious health issues, as you know, Michael. Yes. Serious health issues, and we need to get to this right now. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that – yeah, unanswered questions are just are just hanging there. You know, we're just sitting there. So, you know, we're we're guinea pigs in all this. As unfortunately we have been in the past on so many matters. It's just you know, oh well, you know, we find out all the experiments that have been done on us, all the things that were done at various points in times and so forth uh, mm-hmm. in various cities and so forth, wherever you might have grown up. And you say, did you know that such and such was going on during that time? Uh, no, I never knew that. You know, was anybody going to tell us that? No. <laughs> you know, and on and on, right? Yeah. Well, it's um, it's it's very very disturbing. This is a huge issue, and the fact, as you just said before, it 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 came upon us with 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 such force, and there was no debate. There was no stated research that it was safe. I never read any report that said, oh, relax, it's totally safe. I've never seen anything like that. But what I have seen and have are over 500 reports about how dangerous it is. And it's coming from laboratories and researchers. So, you know, so here we are. And, um, again, we have to, as a community, uh, and as American citizens, uh, put a stop to this and still serious research has continued to find out uh, how bad this situation is. And so far, the research has said it's crazy. It, you've got to stop it because people are going to be uh, badly, badly hurt, uh, even, and children too, and animals, like you said, and, and bees and all the rest of it. They're, they're, you can't escape it. And somebody said to me, well, what if we go to a, a, place, a remote island, or what if we go to some place, uh, an oasis in the desert, then we won't have the problem. Well, you just yeah. said, too, there's going to be satellites everywhere, which means there's no escaping. No well, escaping on this planet. 
that is if the intent of 5G, that it would go to remote areas, that it go to places that, you know, rely on their cell phones, you know, the most remote areas. You know, you think to yourself, well, there's got to be some sort of well-intentioned thing there with the, you know, the, the yeah. impoverished countries and the places where the people, you know, have, you know, medical needs maybe. And so, boom, they get that service because they can really reach, reach somebody in a hurry and, and, you know, something can be downloaded and you get this and you get that and so forth. And you think about that, but the point is, is that there is no escape. It's not like I was going to say. It's not like the TSA little booth where you say, "Opting out." Thank you. There is no opt out here. No yeah. opt out of the world. I'm sorry. It's just like as the things were really bad in this country. People were were asking uh, uh, Catherine Austin Fitzwell, "Let's move. Let's go. I think I want to get out of this country altogether." And she just says, "The octopus reaches you everywhere." <laughs> And she's, and, she's and right. Unfortunately, she's absolutely correct on that yeah. on that score, and that that is really scary. So there's no yes. place to no place to run, no place to hide, no place to run. And, to, you know, and now they're selling. And I think you've seen this already. Products to to protect you. Listen to this. Products to protect you from the five G that's coming and from smart oh. meters. And they've yeah, got of a line of clothing. They've got wallpaper. I'm like, mm-hmm. I couldn't even make this up, Michael. No. Wallpaper, no. clothing, yeah. and all kinds of other things that you can wear to help protect mm-hmm. you from the from the dangerous 5G. Can you right. imagine that they're, oh, they're yeah. expecting us to wear this stuff to protect us from 5G? I mean, right. think of that. Yeah. And how about yeah, the people like... who don't have the money? And this is very expensive. Everything I just mentioned is very, very expensive. So uh, a, a family, a family of a couple of kids, they don't have the money for any of this. And in fact, what are we doing? We're, we're trying to hide from 5G? I mean, think of that for a second. How insane is that? Yeah, well, there you go. It's uh, uh... Uh, it, it all, all reeks of something very calculated. It also reeks of something like, you know, we're going to, you know, it's the new world order trying to eliminate a whole lot of people and sicken them and weaken them the same way they've been doing through with the vaccination or pandemics oh, or whatever. Just continuing on and, and on with this kind of sense, uh, sense of thinking. And uh, what, what just sort well, of well, scares stated, me is that there isn't any kind of like obstacles being put in their way by by either medicine or you know some technological uh, uh, wizard who is not Elon Musk saying wait stop don't do this and, and putting down a whole bunch of money and saying stop we're going to stop this it's not happening mm-hmm. it's not happening we're not getting yeah. it from anywhere yeah no, that, that's absolutely true and 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 here we go so. This is this is such an important issue. A Wes Jamerson, who happens to be a dear, yeah. dear old friend of mine, and he's okay. one of the heads of the movement here in New York City to to, to stop 5G and smart meters. And I just wanted to to give him a, a a holler here and say, Wes, you know, God bless you for doing that, and and please continue to uh, to to help uh, us to prevent this this crisis. And it is a crisis. Right, coming right at us, and we've got to wake up as a people and stop it. Uh, there's going to be another demonstration, I believe, worldwide coming up in April, and uh, I'll, I'll find the dates on that and uh, let our audience know. But that's another one. Meantime, you know, they can call their city council people, they can call 311 here in New York and wherever they are, and say, We're really concerned, we are upset about. 
5G and smart meters, and, and we want it stopped until there's a lot more research that, that convinces us that it's not dangerous. And, right. and the more people that do that, the more chance we have of putting the kibosh on this crazy scheme to, <laughs> so that we can make a cell phone call in the middle of a desert. Please. <laughs> right. And you mentioned uh, mentioned health things. Well, health thing, we're going to need communication even more because the more people that get sick from 5G and smart meters, they're going to crowd the hospitals. Think of that. Yeah. I mean, think that's what's coming. Yeah. By by the by the truckload, people will be so sick they're going to go to the hospitals to get help. Um, right now, we have all we can do to keep up with uh, uh, the, the people coming into various hospitals. What's going to happen when 5G takes hold and smart meters are all installed? What happens then? Uh, I think that, uh, the health system is going to go crashing. Well, the health system is going to be challenged, and a whole lot of people are going to make money on uh, ways to defend themselves, defend people with it and so forth. The way you don't get, here, take this pill, or here, take a shot, or, or whatever, and I... You don't want to see any of that because that just gets into a whole new mess. And uh, there are yeah. some things you can do. You can wear shungite. There's some things that are not so expensive that you can do um, you know, rather than having, as I say, elaborate wallpaper and so forth. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, fasten your seatbelts. We're in for a bumpy ride, as Bay Davis said. <laughs> boy, boy, did she get that right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. So that that's the main issue here. And I wanted the program. And, Michael, thank you so much for um, all your information because this is such an important subject. And it's not being talked about very much at all on television. Right. I mean, you don't right. see any mention on the news, on the news. And if there's anything about the news that should be said, it's this. And they're not uh, saying word yeah. one about this. Oh, and then the commercials that. come on for Verizon, and they're all saying we're going to have everyone get 5G. <laughs> yep, I, I watched a few. I watched a few today. Yeah, it's like, oh, there it is. They're 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 pumping it. Look at it go. <laughs> oh, with everything that they've got in media, and you, know, you can't escape. Uh, even on billboards, on, on on buses, I think I've seen some. You're going to have 5G, everybody. You know, hooray. Right. Well, this is a scary deal, and why they're pushing it. Like you, you uh, alluded to some of the reasons, which are all pretty scary, of why the why the rush, why the push. So I've never seen any product so pushed as this. Why? What's the reason? And and there's no dialogue at all, at all right. about. You know, it's uh, so I keep saying there's a 5D thing going on that we're not privy to. And, you know, they're not going to tell us for a good long time. And then you know, many years from now, we'll be sitting there saying, you know, they'll be saying, oh, you remember when we, we just ran 5G through you and you didn't really pay? Well, this is what that was really about. You know, and then we're going to find out. But that's going to be who knows when. It depends on how much uh, uh, how much openness and how much progress we make in terms of uh, overcoming some of the uh negative forces that are controlling us and that have been controlling us for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, boy, that's really continued. <laughs> Thank you for, for the very informative and uh, a thought-provoking segment, guys. Okay. Well, great. Thank you, Hercules. Uh, Michael, you're the best. Thank you so much for all your help Thank on, you. this, I'm so glad on this podcast. Yeah. And uh, just have a, if I could, uh, just want to, to say to everybody at the end of this, um, I just have a quick thing to say, if I may, and that is um, 
uh, the very end that uh, this has been uh, the, uh, the real news revealed. And uh, this is Nick Curto. And Michael, thank you again. Michael Winks, you're the best. And uh, uh, we're uh, wishing you enlightened journey as you connect the dots to seek the truth. Till next time, keep informed, stay safe, and be kind to one another. Goodbye for now. Okay. Bye-bye. We're going to listen to a quick song, Antler Crown and Standing Stone by Dave the Bard. Uh, a lot of Dave the Bard uh, lately. And uh, then we will be back with Retro Sci-Fi Cinema and Brian J. Walker. Love to be <laughs> Within the leaf, I'm the voice within the tree. I am boy, I am man, the face of the changing man, and I have been your constant guide from your caves on the mountainside. We have walked hand in hand. I have been my past and turned the grey to green. The birds sing to the dawn. The land has awoken, and oh, my lady lays with me. And now love weaves a tapestry, eternal thread, unbroken.
bones of trees Fallen leaves The time of the winter queen But through the wind and snow and rain Know that a part of me remains Holly stands evergreen having a music malfunction today. Never encountered that before. Um, perhaps it's because we're about to start retro sci-fi cinema. It may be a cosmic ray from another planet uh, seeking to do us uh, mischief. Greetings and welcome, Brian. How are you? I'm fine tonight. How are you, Hercules? Uh, are you uh, recovering from your cold? Yes, I am. It uh, struck me out of nowhere, and unfortunately, I teach, so I didn't want to get uh, the kids sick, uh, so I've been uh, staying home and recuperating. I think I'm fine enough uh, after today to uh, go back tomorrow, but thank you for asking. Oh, very good, and uh, I know what it's like to work in an educational setting, um, but usually it's the students who get the teacher sick and not the yeah. reverse. <laughs> Uh, I developed this after being told that a few of the kids were a little sick uh, last week. So uh, um, you're right in that. Well, what is the age of the children uh, in general? I mean, uh, These are, middle, are they middle schoolers? Uh, ah, okay. Well, you know, uh, um, you, um, elementary school uh, students and middle school students are probably the worst <laughs> in, in order to uh, get sick from. So I feel your pain. Um, you know, since well, I work in a you. college setting, well, since I work in a college setting, I, I know what it's like, but, uh, but at least college students are uh, usually aware enough to, uh, you know, wash their hands, you know, pretty regularly. That, that is true. I've taught in colleges before, and uh, there is a difference. But w what can you do? Uh, if you want to educate, that's uh, part of the occupational hazards of educating. Uh, th th that's a very good way of looking at it. So what is new and exciting at Brian's Drive-In Theater? Well, um, since uh, this is one of our rare, you know, uh, fifth Thursdays uh, of the month, 
and we're talking about science fiction, I wanted to take a look at uh, the different forms of uh, aliens or extraterrestrials in uh, retro science fiction cinema. That sounds awesome. Uh, but first of all, um, I thought we might uh, you know, start start off talking about unidentified flying objects or UFOs. I love uh, UFOs, and uh, um, a lot of Pride of Olympus is uh, dedicated to their uh, study or their exploration. I'm excited to hear what you have to say. Uh, well, um, you know, uh, in uh, doing some research uh, you know, for to uh, for tonight's pro- podcast, um, uh, you know, in um, thinking about all this, I was thinking about back to Roswell and you mm-hmm. know, some of the uh, images uh, that I've seen of Roswell and how. Uh, those either uh, may or may not plug into you know a lot of uh, 50s and 60s uh, science fiction cinema, and in 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 my opinion, uh, the 50s and 60s were sort of the heyday of science fiction. Now, I mean, you that you know, continues to the present, and some of the uh-huh. earliest films were science fiction, uh, but but I think that uh, pound for pound, ounce for ounce. Uh, you certainly saw probably more science fiction films in the 50s and 60s than in any other decades. And they're classic science fiction uh, films. I still remember the trailers, which were uh, an entity in and of themselves. Well, and and you know what? Uh, Sometimes the trailers and the posters for the movies promised uh, a lot more (laughs) than the movies uh, delivered. (laughs) Um, in, in, when it comes to B movies, but with science fiction films, um, I, I usually walk away from those thinking that you know, gosh, um, I, I got more than my money's worth. Mm-hmm. Well, th- and that really depends on the film. Um, but um, you know, when it comes to you know, UFO sightings and such, I, I got to admit that um, before tonight's broadcast, I had always thought of uh, kind of the end of the World War II, uh, kind of the end of World War II as the beginning of a lot of UFO sightings. But when I was doing my research, I found that uh, people have been seeing these for you know, many, many, many years, long before. Yeah. Uh, World War Two, so that that was an error on my part. Um, although you, it seems like um, you know, in the uh, late forties, you know, through uh, the late fifties, um, uh, documented. Uh, well, I, w- I don't want to say documented sightings, but uh, claims of people um, you know, having sightings of UFOs uh, seem to pick up the pace, you know, quite a bit. And I, I always wondered, and, you, and and some people have postulated that, um, you know, per, perhaps uh, you know nuclear weaponry uh, might have been a, might have been the impetus for um, people from other planets or even other galaxies uh, to you know make visits to our planet in order to you know maybe see what was going on, do some investigative work. Or maybe head off some potential problems. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of the uh, contactee literature that arose from that uh, period 
um, stated that quite uh, emphatically that uh, um, our experimentation with atomic energy had uh, sent uh, first uh, uh, waves of curiosity going through the greater cosmos and then waves of alarm uh, when they saw how warlike we are as a people uh, and that they've remained here and have uh, been trying to guide us ever since to get past uh, uh, where we currently are with our warring and with our messing with the forces uh, beyond uh, our ability to handle if they're to be unleashed. You know, especially when it comes to destruction. Yes. Um, and, you know, a great movie uh, that plugs in very well in all of this is The Day the Earth Stood Still. I agree. That's a great movie. Oh, it, it, it's fantastic. And, you know, when it comes to 1950s sci-fi, a lot of people think, oh, you know, inexpensive B-movie and such. But that movie is its not a B-movie, and it's a fantastic film. I mean, it, it I think it holds up to perhaps any movie uh, made in the 1950s. I, I agree, and I, I even like the remake, even though a lot of people didn't. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the whole concept. Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, the Klaatu, Varatsa, Niktu uh, took on a life of its own in uh, Bruce Campbell's uh, Evil Dead series. It did, and, and you know, and you know that's become a, a cultural touchstone at this point. I will admit to not having seen uh, the remake, and that was what about 2005 with Tom Cruise? I believe so. Okay, I, I have not 2008. seen it. Um, and well, and you know, um, I, you know how I am. I, I I tend to prefer the original. Uh, uh-huh. in, in most cases, uh, but uh, the original "The Day the Earth Stood Still" it, I think is a brilliant film, um, and uh, you know uh, Michael Rennie, you know as the uh, alien, as Klaatu, um I, I, I love his speech at the end, uh, and, and I think it does you know force the viewer to think, you know what, you know are, are we the victim or <laughs> Or are we the antagonist? Yeah, and uh, right. I, I love that message. Uh, I, I think it's fantastic. You know, and, and in some uh, science fiction films, uh, I mean, man is clearly the protagonist, and the alien, you know, is the is the enemy or the force to be reckoned, or the force to be reckoned with. And I think with the with the day the Earth stood still, it really turns that you know uh, trope on its head. And uh, I like that um, because I, I do tend to think that man is his own worst enemy. That uh, I agree with you 100% on that. But the thing I wanted to talk about tonight were uh, the different forms of um, extraterrestrials or alien in or aliens in science fiction cinema. Uh, there are many different forms that the uh, alien can take, and I, I think you know, all of those forms are uh, you know, um, ripe you know, for discussion. Uh, the, the first one I wanted to talk about is the one you don't see uh, so much. Uh, is the alien as sort of a vegetation uh, form or a plant uh, life form? 
And I could only think of a few, but those those movies really stand out for me. Uh, obviously, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, uh, the original one with um, um, Kevin McCarthy and Dana, uh, Donna Andrews, uh, or Dan, uh-huh. Donna, excuse me, Donna Winter, excuse me. Uh, I think it's a fantastic film. I actually have a signed photo. Um, uh, from the film, and it's uh, it has uh, Donna Winter's signature and Kevin McCarthy's signature. Wow! Uh, it used to be hanging up in my house, but the signature started to fade badly because of I, I had it near a window, and I, I, I took it down for a while and wrapped it up because it, I didn't want the signatures to completely fade away. Uh, from it, and I paid quite a bit for it, so <laughs> I uh, w- wanted to protect it, you know, as much as possible. But it's one of my favorite films. Uh, it would be hard for me to to pinpoint just one film as my favorite, but it's certainly in my top twenty-five. Yeah, I, re- I remember uh, that film, and then it too had uh, several uh, iterations, uh, some better than uh, others. Um, and the concept is uh, very intriguing and frightening at the same time that, you know, we can be replicated and replaced um, and uh, um, very few would know the difference. Well, and, you know, it all goes back to you know, uh, the, you know, the, the, uh, the physical representation of the shell um, and, you, you know, to um, – you know, most people, the shell is uh, all you really need, uh, but it, it, it's it's the uh, introspective person, the person who who knows you um, better, who could see that difference, even though you look the same, you're acting differently, and I really like that uh, aspect of the film a lot. And to tell you the truth, uh, the remake of that from the, from 1978 with uh, Donald Sutherland, I think is in many ways just as good as the original uh, with Kevin McCarthy yes. and Donna Winter. As a matter and of it, fact, I can remember see, seeing that in the at a drive-in, you know, when I was probably like 12 or 13 years old. Um, some of the uh, other uh, iterations, I don't remember the titles offhand, uh, but they took the, the, the concept uh, from the movies, uh, but not all of them had uh, body snatches. I think some had pod people in the, in the title. But I remember seeing very many uh, variations of uh, th- that story. Um, each of them had a twist, but uh, uh, they were not as good as the original and the one with Donald Sutherland. Well, and you know, it's kind of hard to live up um, to the performances in the, in, in the original uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers and its remake. Um, uh, those are fantastic performances, and even if even if you borrow, you know, the plot, um, it will, as you pointed out, a lot of movies have. It would be really hard to equal. Um, the way those two movies were made and the performances of, of the actors in them. Now, another film that I think, it, which you don't hear about much anymore, is Day of the Triffids. Have you ever seen that? Oh, yes. Yes, years ago. 
Well, I got to tell you, that's one of my favorite science fiction films. Um, and the the way it's composed, I think, is very interesting. You have, you know, uh, like uh, several different storylines, and for the most part, they come together, you know, toward the mm-hmm. end of the film. And you've got some very solid character actors as well. You've got uh, Howard Keel um, as the lead, um, and then you've got. Um, uh, Jeanette Scott and Kieran Moore, um, and they don't. Jeanette Scott and Kieran Moore's storyline never really intersects with the rest of it, and I think that's probably the biggest fault uh, of the film. Um, but the, uh, you, the 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 plants as aliens, uh, I, I think, is a brilliant concept, and that movie I think pulls it off very well. I know that in the uh... Um, like the non-fictive uh, UFO literature, there are also plant aliens uh, reported on uh, occasion. The last one I read about was in one of uh, Tim Beckley's anthologies. There was a chapter or two devoted to plant-like aliens. So oh, that's a very good point. Um, and I can remember um, years and years ago, uh, I had seen Day of the Triffids, I, I think, in one of the uh, – oh, gosh uh, – one of the syndication packages uh, of horror films that I, that was out when I was a kid. Um, and I, I really wanted you know, my own copy of the film. And it, 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 by the time that I got you know, a, a um, VCR uh, in the early 80s, uh, the film had kind of ceased rotation. Um, in syndication packages, and I had to wait uh, until it uh, came out uh, on VHS uh, in order to get a copy of it. Um, And I was so excited to do so. And later on, uh, when DVD supplanted uh, VHS, um, I I was excited to get a better copy. Um, But I think that's that's a film that really could stand um, restoration. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah, well, I mean, you know, a lot of the films we talk about, I, well, all the films I think we talk about, I think <laughs> it's stand restoration. But th- that's one that I'm afraid is going to get lost to the ages. And I think it, I think the movie has a lot to say. And it would right. be a shame to, 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 it would be a shame to see that film go. And I, I kind of like yes, how, um, I, I love the storyline and how it works in that, you know, most, uh, you know, most of the uh, earth's populace has become blinded. Um, uh, and there's just a few people who are sighted. And I think it's, it's, it's very well written. It's brilliantly done. And it's, it's kind of odd in that, you know, another, another blockbuster film hasn't been made, um, you know, recently that is uh, with the same storyline. Yeah, the, these things are treasures, and uh, they're part of our part of our cultural heritage. I know that they've certainly shaped me each in their own uh, way, um, and I'm grateful to them uh, for that. So it would be uh, a shame to lose them. Well, and it is, and I, I think you know, at some level, these plots are kind of timeless. Hmm. Yes. Because you you know any plot of 
of any film is sort of uh, you us versus them, right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, when you think about uh, horror films, um, you know, prior to World War II, a lot of them were monster-based. Either it was a vampire, or Frankenstein's monster, or Wolfman. Uh, you know, one of the universal monsters, which are, are films that I love, and I'm, I'm sort uh-huh. of not belittling them. Um, but following World War II, you know, we kind of flipped that around to the point where uh, we either needed, um, you know, a man as a monster, or we needed something that was kind of greater uh, than what we had seen before. And I think that's where you see a lot of these science fiction monsters uh, coming from. And uh, for, for uh, Christmas, uh, I bought my partner uh, the Blu-ray of, of, of The Thing from Another World, which is, I think, probably one of his favorite films, the original from 1951. Now, the John Carpenter uh, movie from 1982, I think, is very well done. But there again, for me, the original is the best. Um, and um, we, we've been watching it actually this evening. And the Blu-ray, it, it's it's a beautiful um, uh, you know print. Uh, it, it's crystal clear. Uh, the the sound is very good. Um, and it's there again. It, it's a terrific entry as um, a science fiction film. And it does give you a good representation as the of the alien as a monster. Uh-huh. And uh, th- there's a number of uh, you know films that that have that same um, essentially the same you know, plot line or storyline. Uh, War of the Worlds is another uh, favorite uh, film of mine uh, as well. The, the original 1953 version I think is just fantastic. But there are a lot of other ones as well. Um, you could even um, think of uh, The Blob, um, which yeah. a lot of us have seen. The, the original one with um, Steve McQueen and Anita Corso. Um, you know, the, the Blob is it's not it's not your typical monster. I mean, it's not something you know that uh you know has a face and 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 you know and, and shouts boo at you or anything like that but it is a monster and interestingly that film uh when it was originally released in 1958 was on a double bill with I married a monster from outer space uh-huh but uh have you have you seen that film long time ago um, I have uh, the uh, Mills collection of like the 50 or 100 science oh, fiction yes. movies. I think a few okay, of them. The and, Creek, uh, yeah. yeah, the Mill Creek. And uh, um, I've watched them over a span of years when they first come out, but I haven't really uh, seen them since. So those, uh, every movie that you're listing sounds familiar, if not from my childhood, from, from that collection. Oh, I, I understood. Um I think it's uh, you know an interesting you I I I loved the you know the era when you did get uh, sort of a two for one um, when you went to the movies and you actually got two films um, 
And the double bill with the blob and I married a monster from outer space. That was a lot of entertainment you know, for your reporter, if you ask me. Um, now, when I was a kid, I was a teenager at this point. Um, we went to my uh, uh, parents took me to see Alien, um, the 1979 uh, release uh, with Sigourney Weaver, John Hurt, Veronica yes. Cartwright, and Yafit Kato. Uh, that movie kind of blew me away as a teenager. Um, I w- what I was expecting to see um, had a lot more horror elements than what I was expecting. What I was expecting, and it made an indelible impression uh, on me. I-, I think it's a fantastic film, and unfortunately, there were you know um, you know several sequels made, and I'm not a huge fan of sequels. Uh, if you can't take care of you know, the plot line in one film, maybe that film was too short. Um, but I, I think that, that film is just—I think that film is just brilliant, uh, and it's so well done. And I love what they've done. I love what was done with the monster and with the alien in it. You know, the alien is not in humanoid form. It is something completely, you know, uh, foreign to us. And um, th- that film really helped shape um, modern science fiction for me. Yes, for me as well. And uh, I watched all of the uh, subsequent uh, iterations of it. And uh um, mm-hmm. Although it tends to dilute itself at, at times, uh, I've enjoyed every single one of them. I have too, but it's really hard to top that first one, you know. Right. Um, and um, uh, you know, so many uh, science fiction films that do have extraterrestrials will have aliens in sort of a human or humanoid uh, form uh, as well. Um, uh, many of those do. And another film that I saw, uh, you know, um, in my formative years, and uh, uh, and this is going to sound weird, but did you ever see The Man Who Fell to Earth? Yes, with uh, Bowie, I believe, right? Yeah, with David Bowie. I saw yeah. that when I was probably 10, maybe 11 years old, and didn't understand a minute of it. <laughs> and I, I, I can remember walking it, and you know it's not it, that movie's not for a child. Uh, right. I can remember walking out of the theater thinking, "What did I just see?" <laughs> and looking <laughs> at, looking back at it, look, looking at it as an adult, I get it. Um, but uh, you, know, as a child, I really didn't understand, you know, how you could make the alien as a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that that movie does a really good job of that, and it just it just it it, it was too much, you know, for my ten year old brain to, to comprehend. Um, you having the alien as essentially the protagonist, and then man is, you know, the enemy. Uh, but but I really like how that you know, turns everything on its head. Uh, and and it, it's a good film. It, it, it's certainly worthy uh, of another viewing. Uh, it's a, a little long, perhaps, um, you know, especially for you know any any child who would want to uh, 
uh, take it in. Uh, but but I think that that's a fantastic film. Just looking back on it, it and it requires a lot of thought. You, know, it's it's not something that you can just sit back and you know have the entertainment flow across you. You really have to engage with it and and understand it, and uh, try to comprehend you know the the message behind the film. Have you ever seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show? Because that 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 was a very interesting I, take on science fiction and all those old movies. When I was a high, when I was in high school, uh, we had a local theater uh, at the time uh, that ran Rocky Horror every Saturday night at midnight. And oh, awesome! It, it just so happens that at the time I worked weekends. I worked uh, Saturday uh, and Sunday uh, at seven a.m. And I would go to Rocky Horror every Saturday night and then drag in to work Sunday morning, you know, having had about three hours of sleep or so. <laughs> and I had a great time. And um, you, that's a brilliant film, too. Yes. Uh, and uh, although, you know, I usually like High Camp, you know, and I know that uh, the, the um, intention of Rocky Horror is makes it kind of low camp in, in a sense. I think it's well done, and it's it's a great homage to, uh, to these films. Yes, it is. Uh, in fact, it begins. Uh, um, uh, Michael Rainier was ill the day the Earth stood still. You know, one of the films that you uh, started today, Rocky Horror, popped into my mind in that song. Well, and you know, the song also mentions uh, Jeanette Scott. Yes, as well in Day of the Triffids. Uh, so, yeah. so it hits it hits a lot of the films uh, that uh, we're talking about tonight. And did you ever see a, a film called The Faculty? And, and since you you've been an educator, and, and I've been uh, you know, doing the same thing myself since 1988. Uh, did you ever see a film called The Faculty? I don't recall offhand. I'll, I'll Google it and see what uh, happens. I'm I'm listing. Uh, oh. Uh, li- links to uh, the Wikipedia pages of every film you've mentioned. Oh, that's going to be kind of tough. I might have seen that one. It was uh, made in the late 90s, and um, I'm a big Piper Laurie fan. I really like her. Uh, she's in uh, a number of films. She's in The Hustler with Paul Newman. Uh, she's in Car- She's Sissy uh, SpaceX's mother in Carrie. Okay. Uh, she, uh, a fantastic actress. She is one of the teachers in the faculty. Um, and the, the faculty is an interesting film from the late nineties in that, you know, oftentimes in films where, you know, uh, a school, whether it's a high school or a college uh, as the setting, um, there's sort of an us versus them when it comes to faculty and students. Yes, and in this case, um, there's an there's an extraterrestrial presence, and the students suspect that their teachers are all aliens. And it's really well done. It's got a fantastic cast, and and the cast is headed by uh, Piper Laurie, uh, and I think that that's a, a, a wonderful film uh, to take a look at if you want to see you know aliens in. Uh, Sort of a humanoid form. I definitely want to see that. Uh, 
as I'm reading the description of Wikipedia and, that, and as you're speaking, uh, I have memories of it, but they're not very vivid ones. So uh, that's something I will seek out and uh, watch. Well, to you and to be quite honest, you know, I, I saw that film probably well. It's been more than twenty years ago, uh, actually. I didn't see it in the theater. I, I think, I, as I recall, I saw it at home. Um, but and I, I, I did. I had low expectations for it um, until I saw the cast list, and the, the cast list is phenomenal. Uh, it really is uh, for you know a late '90s film. And uh, it, it made an impression on me, and uh, I, I liked how um, the the us versus them uh, concept uh, was handled in the film. And you know, working in education uh, for you know, practically all of my adult life, uh, it, it kind of uh, you know fascinated me in that aspect. Yeah, I, I can see why as a fellow educator, <laughs> that would uh, um, be a very interesting thing to me. To um, A lot of the movies take like very common things, like even the movies with the body snatchers or the pod people, uh, people change sometimes. And uh, uh, if someone changes uh, and their changes are dr- drastic or dramatic or inexplicable, it does seem like you're dealing with a different uh, person, and people comment on that uh, at the time. Uh, so it's taking well, that human experience, that human fear, that human concern, and uh, uh, making a modern myth around it uh, that makes those films so uh, powerful. Um, and, uh, you know, with the day the earth stood still, that it, it's a very common uh, experience that if you're acting from good intentions, sometimes the good intentions uh, have really horrible results. You know, so you are the bad guy uh, in many cases, even if it's unintentional, uh, or people have concerns about the path that other people are taking. And so all of these films, although dealing with aliens, uh, focus very powerfully on the human experience, something that we can all identify with and um, Immerse ourselves into the movie's uh, story and the faculty. Uh, yes, uh, I remember thinking of teachers as uh, uh, something very alien to me. And now that I'm a teacher, uh, I'm sure the kids see me as alien at times. So that that'd be a very interesting uh, uh, film to re-experience. Well, and if you turn that around, you know, if if you're looking at it as the educator. And uh, looking at, you know, the students that you're teaching, um, they change every year. Right. They change so quickly. We, I, I don't think we change that much, but I think they change uh, so much faster than we do. So, um, and something that I've noticed, uh, you know, over the past 30 plus years um, te- teaching uh, college classes is that, you you can't really um, stereotype, you know, um, the uh, students that you're teaching because every year there seems to be a shift. They seem to be a little different uh, every year, and you know, t- I gotta say, at times they do seem a little alien. <laughs> you know, uh, at least until I, I get uh, more used to them. And that's one of the things that I really liked about uh, the film, The Faculty, is that, you know, is it them or is it us? 
um, is it everybody? Hmm. I remember when I was in Pennsylvania, uh, it's almost a decade ago uh, already, I was teaching in college. And uh, um, I remember when, uh, during my youth, uh, it was all that rebellion going on. You know, so there was a lot of rebelliousness in, in us. And I was very uh, shocked to find the complacency in my students, you know, with uh, an acceptance of the way things are. Um, and it wasn't every in, in, student, but it was generally the students. And that was uh, something uh, very frightening for me to contemplate and think about. You know, and that's a great point. Um, I, I see that too. Um, I, I really think that they need to question um, more of the whole collegiate experience than they are. They just seem to be walking through it uh, as quickly yeah. as they can. You know, in order to get the end result, which is their degree, and I think a lot of that is, you know, based in uh, capitalism, and they think that well, you know, I paid my money, so in X amount of time, I'm supposed to get my degree and then move on, and I understand that, but I agree that they should be questioning more of this. Um, you know, why are we doing this? You know, why are these policies in place? Um, is there a better way of doing this? And I mean, I, the, the whole, um, the, the way that education is structured, I, I don't think always serves the community as well as it should. And, and that unfortunately will have to be the topic for another show. I just looked at the clock and we have like two minutes uh, left and I'd like you to share um, how people can uh, access uh, um, Brian's Drive-In Theater and how they can uh, connect with you. Oh, perfect. Uh, the easiest way to get in touch with me is through my Facebook presence. And if you go into Facebook and then in the search bar, type in Brian's Drive-In Theater, uh, I'm sure my um, profile will pop up. Otherwise, if you want to check out the website, you can go to briansdriveintheater.com. That's Brian with an I. Thank you very much, uh, Brian. I put links to uh, your Facebook and to the website a few times in today's announcement, uh, plus links to uh, every movie that uh, was brought up except for Alien, and I will correct that <laughs> before we go to the air. Thank you very much uh, for this stroll down uh, memory lane and the uh, uh, profound uh, thoughts to ponder and uh, discuss uh, uh, next time we have a conversation. Uh, be well, my friend, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, and then we, we will speak on Monday. Okay, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and to all, all right, who joined care. us tonight, take care, Brian. Uh, thank you for joining us, and uh, from all of us to all of you, joyous journeys and amazing adventure. Thanks for listening to the Spiritual Unity Radio Network. Join us seven nights a week for exciting programming covering a variety of expressions of faith. And remember... All manifestations of the divine are equally valid.
Caribbean blessings to all who have joined us on our adventure. Now, go forth and create a better world, one filled with light and love. On behalf of the Pride of Olympus and her crew, may your journeys be joyous.